The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Evan Lionheart of evanlionheart.com in New Jersey, and in just a moment we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, Conjurman of conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California, and this week's very special guest for our special Oracle Hour, Deacon Millet from the high desert of California, bringing us the topic and practice of I Ching. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divine and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening. But if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment. But first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman. Ms. Kat? Hi. Thank you, Evan, Hello. for that nice intro. And um, of it's wonderful to hear your voice. How are things back where you live? Oh, thank you. Well, uh, as always, likewise, to hear your voice. And it is hot here in Jersey. <laughs> um, it is very warm, but I'm thankful for the sun because we've had a lot of rain. And, um, you know, sunshine is always good, especially with... Uh, things being so topsy-turvy as they are right now astrally. So, yeah, things are good here. How are you? <laughs> well, I've been very, very busy. I'm running about four different streams of thought at one time, one of which is this radio show. I've been working this this week on the um, text for the book uh, How to Use Amulets, Charms, and Talismans in the Hoodoo and Conjure Tradition, which I'm co-writing with... Papa G, uh, Gregory Lee White, and I'm just working as fast as I can to get that book um, close to finished as possible. We're getting, you know, closer to our deadlines, and um, and Papa G is doing the illustrations and doing a fantastic job of it. Uh, really working hard. Meanwhile, I've been working with uh, Gray Townsend, Doc Gray, on the covers for the books. And he has um, been working on the revised cover for Terrors of the Evil Eye Exposed, uh, which uh, points out the fact that this is not just a reprint or facsimile of the old copy, but a very expanded, restored, and revised by me and by Dr. Jeremy Weiss. So we're working on that one. And, uh, and then I got to get in some time to work on the book Down Home Sex Magic because um, uh, tomorrow which is the seventh, is my Patreon day. And sample pages from all of these three books will go to my patrons who pay $2 a week, $8 a month, to receive free samples of my writing well in advance of when the public receives them. 
and give me comments and feedback. And we have a special part of the Lucky Mojo forum set up for my patrons to comment on. So that's what I've been doing. A lot of work. And today is June 6th, which is Founders Day. This is the day that um, the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church and the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches was founded. It was founded June 6, 2006. And Founders Day is an important day for us because, among other things, all of the members of AIR are also members of the AISC because the AIR, Readers and Root Workers Directory, is a committee of the AISC. And so all of our dues are due (laughs) on Founders Day. So anyone under the sound of my voice, if you're a member of AIR and haven't paid your dues, send them in now. And uh, for those who want to join AIR or thinking about joining AIR, this is a good day to join because you get a full year's worth for your one set of money. And uh, to join AIR, you have to be a professional reader and root worker and have graduated from my correspondence course and done a test reading with either me or Deacon Millen. That's it. So that's what I've been up to and uh, working hard, working on getting all these books ready, not just for the sake of books, but for the sake of the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, which is coming up on September 11th and 12th. And um, I'll be presenting there. So will my co-host, Contraman Ali, and so will our special guest, uh, Deacon Millet, be, uh, and so will Evan Lionheart. So all four of the people who are here today are going to be part of that festival. We'll let some more news about that leak out later. Let me just say hi to you, Conjurman. What's up? Hello. I'm doing quite well. Uh, thank you for reminding me of Founders Day, making sure to send in those dues. Um, but yeah, it, it's been a it's been an interesting interesting summer so far. Um, I think Evan pinpointed that it's been really some funky weather going on. We had a nice little brief um, respite in early May. Early May, there was kind of this moment where everything was opening up, and you know it looked like vaccine rollout was finally looking good. We were uh, we were getting people vaccinated. We were headed maybe not to herd immunity, maybe not to, like, mass uh, immunization, but at least we were headed in the right direction. But the end of May and beginning of June has been such a funky, funky time, both, I think, uh, uh, astrologically with that Mars moving around early May or mid-May into, into Cancer, uh, the retrograde of Saturn. We've been having, and then, of course, the eclipse this week. It's been a funky time, and I think a lot of our clients have certainly felt it. There's been a, an increase in sort of the anxiety amongst my clients over the past couple of weeks and nervousness around where their life is headed, what's happening, is, it, is their love going to survive, or are they going to have jobs in a few months. Even as the, the sort of things may look hopeful, there's certainly an anxiety heading in. I just wanted to recognize that and acknowledge that. Note, there is anxiety out there. The good news is there will be a little bit of a respite uh, a, little, a little bit later in, uh, in June. So about mid-June, we'll have a nice, a little bit of a breather there. So bear that in mind. If you're going through some stuff, the transits are funky. Hold on tight. Uh, just know that there's going to be a little bit of breathing room 
that's going to show up around next week. So it's a, you know, some hope along the way. Along those lines, I, I opened up my uh, readings for July, but again, I'm <laughs> by very fast. Uh, I think I only have one reading open for July, or maybe two, if I'm not mistaken. So if anyone's interested in a reading, come and get it quickly because they're going. By, they go by really fast. I, people have the alerts on by email, and so usually when I unlock the readings, I do about six or seven readings a month. They go by like like that. Six or seven astrology readings, and then there's, there's a few more geomancy readings for like a total of twelve. But they go by very quickly, very very quickly. So there's only one or two left for the month of July. Other than that, things are good, just holding on tight and waiting for for a little bit of shift in the astrological weather post the eclipse, which is happening this Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. This is... Um this one is a doozy, and um, yeah. I'm still I'm still just um, hanging out with Saturn on my moon. Mm, Saturn yeah. on my moon. Saturn on my moon. You know, it's just like you have to just stay there while yeah. Saturn transits your moon as slowly as it possibly can. Oh, That's yeah. okay. I'm doing fine with that. And, and it's um, a retrograde Saturn too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I meant. As slowly as possible, forward, backward, yeah. forward, <laughs> ripping little furrows in my my natal moon. And Evan says in the chat, um, Gemini eclipse conjunct Mercury. Yep. Well, that's right. Yay for that little blessing. <laughs> you know, it's funny how the good aspects kind of go by real fast sometimes, and the bad aspects kind of ah, cast their shadow before and behind them. <laughs> oh, it's so true. Someone actually made a really good analogy that uh, the good transits are like a little breath of fresh air, but the bad transits are the stink that lingers in the air. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's right. right. That's right. Sometimes, and, sometimes and those, those transits who, are so bad. Yeah, for those who are not astrologers, I want to say we laugh about this, and it may all sound like a bunch of um, gobbledygook mm-hmm. to some people, but astrologers don't only complain. It's like talking yeah. about politics. The things that stand out are the defalcations, yeah. Um, yeah. The, 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 the wrong way legislation, the bad <laughs> Supreme Court judgments. Those kind of catch your attention. It's the same with astrology. We all tend to catastrophize yeah. a little bit. But astrology has many, many, many good moments. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah. that Saturn on my moon is... Well, you know what I'm going to tell you? I am now on my fourth keyboard, my fourth keyboard in two weeks. Oh, God. Okay? That's how <laughs> freaking bad it is. I just got and, – and my fourth keyboard is a very old keyboard, so old that it has black fingerprint gunk all over the keys on the left-hand side and coffee stains on the left-hand side, which means it was previously used by a left-handed person because I keep my coffee on the right. That's how bad it is. This is the best keyboard I've had in two weeks. <laughs> oh, Lord. Saturn is the Lord of time. And, and um, yeah, and um, and Uranus uh, is, uh, you know, the, the Lord of... Um, electronics and my moon is in aquarius and my electronics are <laughs> variously drowning exploding <laughs> and dying so it's very fun all right well enough about astrology um we have as our guest today and this is the oracle hour so we're going to talk about that for just a second every month um first show of the month we're doing 
the Lucky Mojo Oracle Hour. Tell your friends about this. This is different. It's more fun than it mm-hmm. than uh, than a barrel full of monkeys. We pick um, a form of divination, fortune telling, or oracular presentation. We describe it. Mm-hmm. We have a guest who can practice it, and then we use it on two unsuspecting clients to answer their <laughs> questions with this. You know, I mean, you all have heard me read tarot till you practically have my uh, mm-hmm. cards memorized for me. But this time, it's going to be eating. So let us bring in Deacon Millet and uh, ask how he's doing, and then we're going to get to talk about eating. So welcome to the show, Deacon Millet. Jack welcome, welcome. And fan favorite. Um, yeah, it's, it's a strange world here in Baltimore. Um in that I've never experienced the Brudex cicadas before. Oh, yeah. And um, it, there is this background UFO hum um, mm-hmm. that if you step outside, you, there are UFOs hovering around you. Though, but, you know, mm-hmm. And it's just it's so bizarre. Um, and they're, you know, it, it's interesting watching how they pick certain trees to, to mm-hmm. turn into their little orgy stations. And um, <laughs> it was weird walking out in our backyard and seeing suddenly there were all these holes in the earth, just perfect mm-hmm. little round holes. Right. And mm-hmm. that was where they had all, you know, burrowed up for their 17-year seventeen year fiesta, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I I, this was not something I experienced in California or Texas, um, mm-hmm. and so I'm just as a as a treat. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I have friends who are just shuddering at the whole thing, you know, because they get their hair, they get you know everywhere. Um, but I'm I'm just kind of I'm entranced by the cyclical nature and yeah. the perseverance and the the biological um, cleverness, you know, the, yeah. the idea mm-hmm. that the reason they do this is so that um, they all come out at once so that there's so many of them that their predators cannot kill them all. Mm-hmm. And right. yep. so, yep. so the species survives. And right. so it, it, their strength in numbers, it's, it's a, it, it's been wonderful. So I'm, I, I'm avoiding all the rest of the um, astrological torment and just trying to <laughs> to enjoy this as as this is my message from the eclipse. You know, yes, um, nice persevere and cycles and yeah, um, and, and it's good to hide sometimes for a long period of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I I lived in South Central Missouri, and down there we had a brood that was on a 13-year cycle. And that's the funny thing: there are different broods around the country that are on different years. Some 13, some 17. Those are both prime numbers. Nobody really knows why. And when the 13-year um, locusts, they call them, or cicadas, they really cicadas, came out, we had just moved to Missouri. That I mean, like a month before, right? And all of a sudden, this thing happens. And I couldn't believe it. It was so interesting. And also, if you go up and look them in the face, you know, like hold them and look at them in the face, uh-huh. they look like 
like 1930s Chevrolet pickup truck grills. Well, they do, oh. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. They are are funky-looking bugs. (laughs) So I was, like, looking at these, like, this is a whole lot of vintage pickup trucks flying all over. (laughs) they got those little red eyes. Oh, man, they're so cute. Also, they have on them, on their wings, two W's. Um, it's like their veins make a WW. And down in the Ozarks, people said the W that when the when the 17-year locust or the 13-year locust when they come out, it's war and want. And mm. they actually had folklore going back that on these 13, you know, different wars had broken out, and there was different droughts and things like that. And I looked at them. I thought, why don't we think of it as M and M? Why do we think of it as war and want? Why don't we think of it as you know? Money Moolah or something, yeah. but but mm. people have often associated them with war and want, uh, and of course they are not locusts, which are actually grasshoppers, and which are much more destructive because they're out there eating crops. Yeah. These guys just go out, do their thing, totally fill the sky, and then when they're gone, you miss them. You really do. They're gone again. They've all mated, laid their eggs, and disappeared. All over. <laughs> they just show up, they screw, and they disappear. They screw, scream, and that's disappear. Correct. That's correct. That's what they do. That's, that is correct. I posted an article on my Facebook page for those who follow me, um, an article from the Scientific American on um, uh, funguses that um, infect them, that infect a very small quantity of them, a percentage, fungus that infects them and uh, turns them into what um, the Scientific American, which is less rigorous in its word usage than it used to be when I was young, now referred to as zombie sex bots. Mm. And, um, oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> so you might want to look up, uh, you might want to go to my Facebook page and look up zombie sex bots. And, um, but the thing about that is that they um well, I don't want to get too graphic it's pretty gross but what's interesting is that the um the fungus produces um a psychedelic amphetamine very similar to the one that is in remember the face eating zombies the so-called bath salts the guy was you know the those horrible oh, drugs yeah, that in people Florida. were taking in Florida you got it the yep. the drug that the fungus produces that takes over the cicada's body is that drug. It's really oh. weird. They become zombie weird. sex bots. It's it's Ooh. weird. But then it gets even better. What they've discovered already is, back in 2004 is that um, morning glories, which are always supposed to be psychedelic and all of that, it's not the morning glories. There's a fungus that infects the morning glories that produces the psychedelic. And so now they're, oh, yeah, yeah, now they're going to go back, back, back. Like, what about Hawaiian wood roses? And it occurred to me, what about agar wood, which is this incense, precious incense resin that comes from fungus-infected aquilaria trees, agar trees. And I'm beginning to wonder, you know, is this incense precious? Because inhaling it gives us some kind of psychedelic rush. So anyway, yeah. Um, zombie sex bots, um, the, the new word in cicada land. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Very I love science. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so 
we're here to talk about the I Ching. It is the Oracle Hour. So I'm just going to say a very few words about the I Ching and turn this over to Deacon Millet. So the I Ching is an ancient um, system of divination that has been collaboratively written by several generations of Chinese rulers and their scribes with commentation and so forth by other people and translation into German and into English. And there are many, many translations, um, some more accurate than others. Um, But the basis of the I Ching is numerical. And there are three more or less common ways to um, divine with it. But all of them, you end up um, you end up with a string of numbers, and it's um, called a hexagram. There are six numbers that, or six places in which numbers may fall. I just say that. Deacon's going to explain it. And then you have a table, and you can take those, and you'll get one of sixty-four uh, divinations. And some of the numbers are what are called changing lines. And when you get those, you will find that you're fortune changes it's like um having two cards stuck together into a row that they they are intimately tied and you have to change to the other uh thing and all 64 of these um hexagrams deal with different conditions and situations in life and each of the six lines within them is uh deals with divisions of that condition and what's kind of interesting is you end up with the number 256 which is the same as the number of oracular uh entries when you do um dilogun reading in mm-hmm. african mm-hmm. traditions same number 256 so that's a they're they're not equivalent it's a mathematical process um i wrote a book a book called throwing the bones a number of years ago and in that i sort of explain about the i ching and um, put in a link to that book. It's a it's a little bit of an intellectual puzzle or exercise how these two different systems came out the same. That's my intro. Take it away, Deacon Millet. <laughs> well, and a fascinating intro as well. Um, so I I chose the I Ching to to talk about today just because it it has had a um, significant impact on my life. Um, about 20 years ago, I, I was uh, recommended um, this book, um, and it's by Carol Anthony, and it is called um, The I Ching, Oracle of the Cosmic Way. Um, and it's a, a new age um, kind of approach to the I Ching. And they went through the, the entirety um, translating it anew. And um, I'll, you know, I would guess that traditionalists would not would not find it the best version. Um, but I fell in love with it to the point that I was carrying this, this two pound book around with me everywhere. This was pre Kindle, um, and uh, and it it really was kind of a it was a life changer. And because of this recent astrology and the things that it's been bringing up, and um, I, I decided that maybe now was a good time for me to get back to doing the daily practice of, of doing the I Ching. So I thought, what better way to dust it off than to come in here and try to explain it to other people? Um, and it is, on the surface, very complicated and um, kind of... Uh, oddly mathematical and difficult 
some for someone like me who's very picture oriented. So, um, so I use a method to create a hexagram that is um, uses 16 marbles. And to me, it is a less um, the the coin method involves adding things up, and um, I the the Yarrowstock method involves adding things up. And I needed a method that wasn't about adding things up because that was just freaking my head out. Um, and the marble method does that. And in essence, it's a set of 16 marbles. And um, there are seven of one color, five of another color, three of another color, and one of a final color. And you put them in a little bag and pull them out. And depending on which you get, you're going to draw one of four different lines on your paper. Um, and the trigram is, is there. You use two trigrams to form a hexagram, and they're built from the bottom up. So you draw, you pick a marble, draw a line, pick a marble, draw a line. And when you've got all six lines, you go to a key of some kind, and, which is basically a, a chart um, that you go, okay, my top trigram is this, my bottom trigram is that. Together, it is number 58. So it's one of 64 um, different things. Um, and there are 64, uh, just as an aside, there's 64 uh, secret bikini oracle cards plus a zero. Um, so something about that number <laughs> appealed to me too. So. Um, so then you've got your your thing written down, and some of the lines are what are called changing lines. And those lines, you're going to change them into their opposite. So you've got solid lines and open lines. And if you have a changing line and an open line, it will turn solid. And if you have a changing line and a solid line, it will turn open. And that will create a second completely different hexagram. And hmm. to to get the fullness of the reading, what I, it, it, you want the first hexagram, the changing lines, and then even the second hexagram to see what is this flow. And as Ms. Cat was saying, that the focus of this is on action. It is an oracle for what should I do about blah, blah, blah. Um, and uh, it, it really is, for me, it's, it's an internal tool. I find that the, the hexagrams take on um, very unique pictures in my head and bring things out of me that I wasn't thinking. And uh, I think that that's the point, uh, that that's why people use systems of divination. Um, so you look up these numbers, and you then turn in the book the chapters related to those numbers, and you read the, the things and meditate upon them. Um, and there are many, many uh, different versions of the each different translations of the I Ching um, available, and you can just go search to your heart's content 
um, Wilhelm is probably the the first foremost one that brought everything kind of to the Western world. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I'm sure I'm I'm missing all sorts of things in my enthusiastic, you know, rush. So I'm going to throw in a couple. Of, this is so cool. I'm going to throw in a couple of ideas. Yeah. Um, the uh, when you throw the lines. We call them lines. Everyone calls them lines. And I'm going to speak in English more than in Chinese words because it'll be easier to understand. You have four choices for each line. It's called a straight line, which is, looks like a line, or a broken line. It looks like dash, space, dash. Mm -hmm. But there really are four possibilities. So one is a straight line that will change to a broken line, and one is a broken line that changes to a straight line. And mathematically, these come up with, by ending up with the numbers 5, 6, 7, 8, because you assign two values. Like when I use the coin method, um, there's 2 and 3. Those are the numbers, and you throw three, three of them. It's what it is. It's, the way, it's just a way of working mathematically. And maybe we can point to the um, air page. Can we? Do we have a pointer going into that air page that tells how to do it? Okay. So, um, but rather than call them old yin, old yang, new yin, new yang, and all of these sort of Chinese mm -hmm. terms, we just call them straight and broken lines, changing lines. And you can draw them like if you have a, a broken line that's going to change to a straight line, you put a little zero in that space to connect it to show, oops, got to remember to get that to change. And if you have a, um, a straight line that's going to change to a broken line, you just put a little X across it. I mean, I've got to cut that and make that straight line a broken line later. And when you do that, you'll have a second hexagram. Then you go to the book. And the funny thing about the I Ching, it, there are, of course, I'm sure there are people with prodigious memories who have memorized the entire thing. I know of a few that have, but, or who have. But most fortune tellers do not commit this book to memory. And I have old postcards taken in San Francisco, Chinatown, before the Chinese, uh, before the earthquake um, of 1906, and it showed Chinese fortune tellers on the street. They would set up a little card table, and they had the book, and they had the arrow stocks, and they would do your fortune for you. And that is a custom that still goes on in parts mm -hmm. of China where you go to the Chinese I Ching reader. Now, you could get a I Ching book and do it yourself. And back, but back in the days when literacy was not so common, the Chinese fortune teller would read it for you. But not only that, they would apply it to your situation. And the commentaries to the I Ching are mm -hmm. kind of frozen in stone if you get a book and it has commentaries, right? They're going to be there. Mm -hmm. But... Mm -hmm. Um, what actually goes on is that um, people who do the interpretations make their own commentaries as they as they do it. It's not just reading out those commentaries that are in the book. Okay, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's what I have to add. How about you, Conjurman? Well, I don't practice uh, I Ching myself. I'm familiar with it, um, and I've seen it done, and I've read some of the commentaries. I've looked through the book. I've played around with some of the methods, looked at the arrow sticks and the coins and whatnot, but I'm not an actual practitioner of the I Ching. It's not one of the divinations I use. But I do want to highlight here something that's fascinating. You, you kind of briefly touched on it, but it's worth expanding. If you haven't gotten this cat's book on bone diggings, you really should. Because it is a global survey of these methods that combine both interpretive divinations, like casting of the bones, which is 
you know, involves a good deal of subjectivity. It does not, not a lot of calculation, as well as these other forms of divination that may be related, may not be related. Geomancy, uh, the lagoon, um, mm-hmm. there's uh, I Ching, Hakata. All of these have some type of binary calculating system. The other thing that they all have that is very common is there is, you call them the commentaries, but they're also associated with these sort of narrative components. They tell little stories. This figure here is the story of this. And it might be a proverb, it might be a saying, it might be a particular story that is then told to the client and it relates to that client situation. So this is one of those fascinating things where we don't know, okay, was there some type of trade that allowed these systems to maybe cross-pollinate or were they simply a product of the fact that all these societies have to do with calculation? That it's just that's the it's a mathematical reality that you're gonna come up if you have a, this particular binary system where you have this you'll have hexagrams of the geomantic figures. Whatever the case, there is a commonality here that stretches from Africa through the Middle East all the way into China. And there's not just a mathematical similarity between these systems, even a qualitative component. So, for example, geomantic figures have proverbs associated with them, commentaries associated with them, stories associated with them. And the exact same thing is found in the I Ching. One of of the most fascinating things I saw was we we did a reading. Um, I went and got a, I saw a De Lagoon reading that Eddie was in, Dr. E, uh, the late Dr. E, a brilliant De Lagoon reader. And one of the ways that he was doing the Lagoon readings is he was he would he'd cast out, he saw those figures, and then he would tell a story. And Oshun went and did this, and, uh, or, or, you know, Obatala did that, and he was telling this whole story, but the story was related to the client. And it struck me because only a few years earlier I had seen an I Ching reading, and it was almost the same. They were telling a story based off of the figures, and the story was related to the client. And that's something really fascinating here. There's some type of cross-cultural, something is going on between these readings or systems, and the I Ching speaks to that type. We haven't really talked about these divinations before on this, on this uh, podcast slash radio show, so it's a really unique opportunity to look at something that's very different. Tarot readers mm-hmm. tell stories too, but they're usually personal stories. These are actually set stories in the I Ching. A figure is like, this is a particular problem. This is a particular story. I'm going to relate it, and it will somehow be connected to the client situation. Right. I'm going to jump in with a little bit more about math, but don't be scared. Yeah. In the book, another book I wrote, you'd think from all these books I've written with mathematical systems and that <laughs> I'm a math head. Um, but <laughs> in the book, Secret of Numbers Revealed by Godfrey Spencer, I added a bunch of chapters because the book was short and I wanted to reprint it in its entirety and I wanted to add a whole lot. And I added a whole section on Chinese low shoe squares. Now, low shoe square is a what what western mm-hmm, european mm-hmm. type people call the square of saturn first it's a square of uh, nine cells like a tic-tac-toe and all of the numbers in it which are from guess what one through nine add up to 15 whether you go down or across yeah. or diagonally so the numbers in the first row 492 next row 357, next row 816. Well, in China, this is called the low shoe square, and it was said to have been yeah. found on the back of a tortoise that was pulled 
um, out of the river Lo by a um, uh, an emperor uh, named Yu, Emperor Yu, and it became very important in Chinese numerology to figure out um, your fortune, your character fortune. In the Middle East, it was called the square of Saturn, and it was related as one of the seven squares, that magic squares, that had to do with the seven days of the week. Now, Dr. Jeremy Weiss, who I think is still with us here in the chat room, um, has put out his own uh, book uh, that relates to the use of these so-called magic squares. His are much bigger, they have more numbers in them, to use as an oracle. But just going back to this very simple one, the low shoe square, um, it is used as the basis for what is called the bagua. And the bagua, mm-hmm. ba means eight, is, is the eight trigrams. And so if you go to page 35 of my book, uh, The Secret of Numbers Revealed, you'll see the tortoise and you'll see how it fits on the bagua. Well, that is the basis of what we, we know as bagua mirrors. These are those mirrors that have little trigram designs all around them that orient to north, south, east, west, and so forth. So you can also use this oracle to determine a direction. And mm-hmm. the the bagua um, is the basis of the I Ching. Because our, remember we said there were six lines and 64 hexagrams. But actually, beneath mm-hmm. that is an older layer that consists of two groups of three lines. And those are called the trigrams. And the trigrams mm-hmm. are the the bagua, the eight trigrams. So you might have one that's three straight lines, just line, line, line. That's called heaven or sky. And you might have one that's broken, 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 but that's earth. It's the opposite, right? Sky, earth, opposite each other. But then it gets kind of more complicated. And if you did, drawing from the bottom up, if you did a straight line, a straight line, and then a broken line, that's called lake because the broken line represents the water in the lake. Right? So these are visual pictures. And so then when you look at the hexagram, you began to say, well, this hexagram, I'm just picking one, I'm opening at random, the, um, the um, hexagram um, of, let's just see here, advance um, is comprised of uh, the hexagram of fire, on top and the hexagram of earth on the bottom so it represents marching forward like a wildfire you see fire over earth but then it has meanings it says advancing a secure lord uses gift horses in abundance and holds meetings three times a day so this is how you use fire or what we might call mars energy or aries energy to go Mm -hmm. across the earth and the gift horses you know show that you are somebody So when we do the I Ching readings, we're going to be using this ancient system to come up with stories about the people's questions and their lives. And that is the end of our intro. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) All righty. Let's turn this over to Evan. Thank you so much. Stay tuned. The Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour with your host, Catherine Ironwood, Conjure Man, and this week's special Oracle Hour guest, Deacon Millet will be right back. We'll be taking calls from our listeners answering their questions through spiritual divination and prescribing down-home conjure remedies and remediation. Our calling clients are selected from among those who have filled out a a short questionnaire at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com. You can listen to the show online through Block Talk Radio or via telephone by dialing 818-394-8535. 
If you filled out a client questionnaire at the forum, please dial in now to 818-394-8535 and press 1, letting us know that you're available to be on the air. We will select callers by their area code, and if your area code is announced, we'd like you to say hello and let me, your announcer, Evan Leinhart, read a brief description of your situation before turning it over to our host. Now it's time to go to the phone and talk to our first client. Our client is calling from area code 440 and goes by the name Patricia. Patricia, are you there? Hi. Yes, I am. Excellent. Thank you so much for giving us a call. And it appears as for uh, your write-in, you have not had a reading with either our guest or our host. Is that correct? Not recently, no. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. So Patricia writes... Uh, just a short question here. What Native American tribe slash nation is pulling me to live in Arizona? I don't know if I have Native American ancestry in my family. Turning it over to you, Ms. Kat. All right. Well, um, I'm going to ask the Deacon Millet to do the first reading on this. It's an interesting question. And um, just, you know... Um, well, okay. There's there's two questions here, uh, Deacon Mellet. One is, what Native American tribe or nation is pulling you to live in Arizona, and where should you you live? Okay. What is your birth sign? Uh, cancer. Cancer. Ah, so so questions of place are important. Okay, so I'm going to have Deacon do the first reading, and um, and I'm going to do the second, if that's okay. Okay, and when I ask the question, where should I live, I mean in Arizona. Is it south, north? Right. Yeah, I, yeah, I think we got the question here. Yeah, we're going to see what we what, – it's too many questions. We've got to kind of roll them into one question. Okay. Yep. Well, bear with me, and I'm going to draw some marbles here and do this a different way than normal for me. So, let's see. First one is a broken, unchanging. Second one is broken, unchanging. Third one, broken, unchanging. I sense a trend here. Fourth one, broken, unchanging. And the fifth one is an unbroken but changing line. Um, So let's see what we've got here. Upper and the lower trigrams. And we've got number 23. So let me go... Check here. All right, number 23 is decomposing. And here's what it says. The mountain depends on the earth decomposing. Superiors, accordingly, are generous to subordinates confirming their positions. So this would lead me, this is the, the first thing that we see here. Since there's a changing line, there will be another one. But um, we're looking at some very simple things and answers to your questions because we have mountains. Um, so 
in Arizona, if you were drawn there, you would want to be either in a mountain basin looking up at some mountains or um, up on a mountain. Um, and there is this idea of generosity to subordinates confirming their position. This to me would say, um, looking at history, uh, that you wish to be in a place where Native Americans are respected um, and, uh, and understood and where there's atonement for past um, transgressions against them. So the changing line here, the sixth line is changing. So that would be depriving the bed of its legs to dismiss such persistence is unfortunate. Okay, so you want to go somewhere where you find that there's been persistence, and it does look like if you do move, um, you're going to have to really work at it. You're going to have to persevere, um, and it's worth doing. Um, because even though there are all sorts of niggling things, you know, eating at the legs of your resting place, you're wanting to um, persevere, get there where you can rest. So this is turning into a second um, hexagram, and this one is accepting, and it reads, the Earth's capacity is accepting, the noble young one with tolerance of character upholds the outer world. So um, you'll want to be somewhere where you're accepted, but there's also this um, sense of the noble young one. We can we can certainly uh, you know look toward um, a place with reservation nearby for noble young one, but we could also look look for university towns or communities like that. And altogether this just says to me that there's that this being drawn to Arizona is a is is something that's been there from youth, trying to escape from your soul. And it's finally coming to the fore and pulling you in that direction. And interestingly, I feel like Arizona will be a place where you will reconnect with things from your youth and feel um, more youthful and excited than you have been in a long, long time. So that's wow. what I got today. Okay. So I've thrown my coins to try to go a little faster, and I already have my result. And it's interesting. It's different than what Deacon got, but it's somewhat similar. So what I got was... Um, I'm going to read the lines from the bottom. Broken straight, straight, broken straight, broken, which is the well. And it is um, water over wood, which symbolizes a well. And it, the, the story that you are to be told is when there is a well, 
changing a town does not change the well. There is either no, neither loss nor gain. There are goings and comings, but the well remains a well. One that almost reaches is still not rope enough for hauling from the well. Breaking the bucket is bad luck. So what this says to me is you need to go to an older town, a town that has been long established that has a good water source. And the idea here is that um, the well should be old. Any new town where they're pumping with drilling, not so good. It should be a town that has a well. And there are towns that are known for their springs and wells in Arizona. Um, and the, uh, the line that changed is... Um, yes, I'm going a little slow here, is line number five, Yang, uh, and it changes it to uh, make a new hexagram, which is the hexagram 46, which will be um, <clears throat> earth over wood. But when that line changes, it gives another piece of advice. When a well is pure, its cold spring is partaken of. Partaking of a cold spring means being balanced and upright. So again, this is an emphasis on where you go in Arizona will have to do with where there's an older town where there's water. And this would also imply Native Americans because those kind of modern towns that are just built by hard rock drilling could not have been older Native American towns. So this changes to a, a hexagram called number 46, pushing upward or rising. And here we get some direction. Rising is a great success. Thereby you will see great people. So do not worry. An expedition to the south bodes well. So now that says perhaps the southern part of Arizona. And it says, flexibly adapt, be harmonious and uh, receptive, respond with strength and balance. Again, balance has been mentioned in both of these hexagrams. It's not just a, um, a, a cute little you know, trick word. It's not in every hexagram. Balance is mentioned in both of these. Now, you're a Cancerian, so this emphasis on water and the well and tradition is very important. And I also see here it says um, an expedition south bodes well means that your purpose will be carried out. And I am using the Thomas Cleary translation called the I Ching, the Book of Change. And this edition came out in 1992 from Shambhala Books. And it's, I have the mini version. This is a, was, was issued at $6. And it's the size of, oh my gosh, it's the size of a tarot deck. It's tiny. Tiny little Li Ching, you can carry it in your pocket. Good translation, so that's what I want to recommend. So um, that's how I see this. Now, I'm sorry we're running a little late, and I got to throw this to um, uh, Conjurman Ali. Oh, we're not late. I'm sorry. I take that back. We're, we're okay. Um, <laughs> so Conjurman Ali, you see what root work you can give, okay? Yeah, sure. I think you've gotten some fantastic readings here uh, and some good advice. First and foremost, the sort of practical suggestion that I give to you, and that is to research what ancestors you have. Uh, when people ask us about things like tribal affiliations, it's generally a pretty strong indication that a disconnect has happened. 
enough to such a degree that you don't have a family mem- memory of whether you are Native uh, American or not, or if there is a tribal affiliation or not. And so you want to recreate that, and you do that through genealogical work, DNA work. Try to find out where, where it is in your background there is that connection, if it exists. So it is important to do, take those practical steps. Uh, ancestor work is not just purely a matter of spirit. We connect with ancestors by first finding them, by recalling them from the void of forgetfulness. So you need to recall those ancestors if you have them, and you do that by first doing the research. Go looking for them. Go find them. See if you can recover names. Oh, I have a great-great-grandfather who, who was, or whatever it is. Do the DNA work, or do the Ancestry.com work, whatever it is that you want to do, genealogical. You need to recall those ancestors. See if you can find that connection. Once you start to find that connection, then you will build an ancestor altar. This is in order to create a spiritual connection that will build upon the research that you've done. Start by cleansing. You can smoke with some pine resin, which would be very useful here. Pine resin to clear out, and then lay out a small altar, a small space in which you can honor your ancestors. Place there a cup of water, universal offering for ancestors of Swift, any uh, ethnic or spiritual background. Decorate with objects that really build a resonance with your ancestors. This will take time. This is not something that will happen overnight. You're not going to build an ancestor altar and then tomorrow have dreams about them. No, it will take time. Be patient. Be patient. It's like you're talking with someone who's starting to, who's just remembering how to speak again. So there's a period of adjustment and acclimating. So be patient with it. It may take several months before you really kind of build that connection. That's all right. And you will build it. Keep a journal as you are detailing and working with your ancestors. Keep a detailed journal, particularly of any impressions, thoughts, feelings, smells that you might have. Uh, maybe you'll get a really strong impression that, that they want uh, a particular type of smoked offering. Okay, so now you, you're going to try that out. Keep detailed records of that and also note your dreams, which would be a very important way to build that connection. That's the building of the ancestral connection. The next step is to help you actually move. All these indications do point to the fact that you will likely move and you will end up in Arizona. So as you do this, prepare for it. Now, if you should note that you have a cancer, Mars is in cancer right now, which is a sign of it's fallen. It's not a good time for you to be doing magic in general. Give yourself a week when Mars finally leaves, and then you can start to do some of this work. So just bear that in mind. Um, prepare When you're preparing for your move, what I want you to do is go and gather crossroads dirt. You can leave three coins as you gather it. You want to gather from all four arms and branches of the crossroads. Bring that back, then get yourself a map of Arizona a map of Arizona, and on top of this map, you're going to recreate the crossroads with that dirt. So you're just going to trace out an X with that dirt. In the center, I want you to place a candle holder and a white candle that you will light and pray over, and you will call out to the spirit of the crossroads and say, open all roads, open all doors and all avenues that I may go to the place that I am meant to be that I am able to travel without difficulty, without hesitancy, without doubt, and without hindrance. Open all roads and make the way clear. Pray from your heart and keep this going. 
keep this process going until the very last day when you're all packed up and you actually move to Arizona. What this will do is it will bring the different uh, uh, opportunities and avenues your way. It will give you a chance to figure out where it is you really are going to end up. You'll see it right on the up. That's the map. That's where that's the play. That's the city, the village that Miss Cat mentioned. That's even got the locations that Deacon. That's where I'm going to end up. You'll see it on the map. This candle work will help you to do that, and it will also help you with the actual practical steps. What is the next step going forward? So this is what I would recommend. These are very simple working, but very important because what it'll do is attune you spiritually, one to your ancestors after you've kind of reconnected with them through your research, and two start to get the ball rolling on the actual move and bring the opportunities your way so that you can take advantage of them. That's my recommendation. Pretty straightforward, but I think they're uh, useful here. Just note this is ongoing work. that You're going to continue to work with your ancestors throughout this process, and you're going to continue to light candles until the very day when you've actually moved out. You can repeat this process every week, lighting that candle, first communing with your ancestors, then lighting this candle with the crossroads on the map of Arizona. We have a couple minutes left. Let's see if Miss Cat and Deacon Miller have anything further they would like to add. Oh, this was absolutely wonderful. As always, you make the best root work advisor on air. I just love the way you pull this together. And Indian Spirit Guide Bath Crystals and Spirit Mm -hmm. Guide Bath, Indian Spirit Guide Incense, those are... Um, possibilities. Um, I really like that idea. And um, I'm a great believer also in map papers. So I have, I I really feel like there's something here. Mm -hmm. I'd also uh, go through, because the word the well was here and there was this idea of an old um, well, uh, I'd go through maybe a little bit of historic journals and looking is there a town that has the word well in it or whatever? oh yeah that's a great idea yeah what do you think deacon <laughs> well the thing that came to mind for me is to just remember that our the borders that we have the state borders like arizona um they're they're harsh and politically drawn they're not spiritually mm-hmm. drawn um, yeah well said. so let let your heart show you where in the desert you want to be. And I think that comes back to some of the, the vision work that, that Conjurman was describing. Um, and I'm also very, I'm a big believer in putting your feet on the ground. You know, you should mm-hmm. get get out there and do some wandering, take some car trips, and see what place cries out to you. Stay here, stay here. Um, and uh, but I think you're on your way. Really, all all of the divination feels very strong and powerful to me. So um, good luck. Yeah, I I I feel that there, that we've we've hit something here that feels very right, and um, because it's at an expedition south bodes well you might want to try exploring along some north-south roads rather than east-west roads so that you are literally going south um, 
just saying that might be a tactic that I would use if I had been given that direction. And in fact, I've actually had that one, and I've used the I Ching for so long. I remember once getting the thing go south, and I, I immediately drove south from Mendocino County to to uh, the East Bay to go visit friends because it said go south, and I had a great time. <laughs> so <laughs> good advice from the I Ching. All right. We're going to have our um, second client, and so Evan is going to bring on that client. Absolutely. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with your host, Catherine Ironwood, Conjure Man, and this week's special Oracle Hour guest, Deacon Millet, will be right back. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners, located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo Practitioner. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to our second client. And our second client is calling from area code 415, and I believe goes by the name Xnib. Are you there? I am. Excellent. Thank you so much for giving us a call today. And it appears uh, you have not had a reading with either our guests or our co-host, uh, but you've had readers with other uh, readings with other readers on the situation. Is that correct? That's correct. Excellent. Thank you so much. So Xnib writes, since getting yes. engaged and... Oh, sorry. Um, I'm just reading your uh, synopsis. Sorry about that. Um, so, excellent bright. Since getting engaged and then marrying my husband, we have had the worst luck in nearly all aspects of life. Death, chronic illness, job loss, career being derailed, disruption at nearly every level, and now our daughter is sick. Is there any hope we might reverse this cursed tra- trajectory and heal our lives? Turning it over to you, Ms. Cat. I'm really sorry to hear that. Oh, yeah, that's harsh. Well, um, before we go ahead, usually um, we would have um, Conjure Man do the reading here, but since he doesn't read I Ching, I'm going to jump in with the first reading, and we're going to have Conjure Man do the root work again. Is that all right with you, Conjure Man? Totally fine. Of course, he's he's cool as a cucumber. All <laughs> right. Exnib, um, what sign of the zodiac are you? I'm a Libra. A Libra. All right. And how about your husband? Sagittarius. All right. Okay. That's a nice pairing. Very intellectual. A lot of smartness in those two people. All right. Well, again, while I was everything was being read to save time, I threw my coins. So these are my, you know, just my coin toss was made, and I'm just going to jump right into it. Okay. The first hexagram I got is called holding together or union, also translated as accord or agreement. And this is um, earth, again at the bottom, I had that last time too, this is earth, and on top of it is water. And this is um, unrestrained water, not a lake, but this is running water. So it's water running over the earth. And it says holding together, If the basis of the augury is always right, there is no error. 
Now, that's an interesting statement there. It says that make sure you ask the right question. If the basis of the augury of the fortune telling is correct, there will be no error. Then it says the unsettled will then come and stragglers will be unlucky. So what this is about is make sure you want the answer to this question. Don't take this advice too late, but actually get this advice. Accord is auspicious, for accord means helping, humbly following along in harmony. The basis of the augury being always right without error refers to firm strength, centered balance. Uneasy people will come along, for there is a response between those above and those below. Stragglers will be unlucky. They will come to an impasse. It's like a ravine where the water can't get through. And this symbolizes a cord, and it has one changing line again. And the changing line in this case is the last line, number six, yin. And so this is a cord without direction is unlucky. A cord without direction never finishes anything. So now here we have you and your husband, and you have a child, and we have a family, but there's a piece of of the puzzle missing, and that's direction. And without that, nothing is accomplished. Okay, So that changes to hexagram number 20, which is called contemplation, view, or observing. And this is an image that looks kind of like a, one of those ceremonial Asian gates. It's a very beautiful um, pattern. And it says, observing the ablution, ablution means the ritual bath, observing the ablution before the presentation of the offering, there is sincerity that is reverential. This says you need a spiritual cleansing, right? Observing the ablution before the presentation of the offering. So you're going to have to do some spiritual cleansing with water. And you're going to have to observe and take a view of what is happening. It says those below observe and are influenced thereby, showing the spiritual way of nature. The four seasons do not vary. In other words, take the long view of your life. Watch the seasons go by. When sages use the spiritual way to set up education, the whole world follows. And this is now wind traveling over the earth, symbolizing observation. In other words, a lookout point where you feel that little wind blowing over the earth. Instead of the water going down, rushing away, now you have the wind and you're taking the long view. Ancient kings examined the regions and observed the people to set up education. So this is sometimes called contemplation, which, but that has an implication of just being passive. I want you to look at all the factors of what has gone wrong, and rather than bundling them together, and there obviously have been some terrible things happening here, but instead of bundling them together, I want you to just stop for a moment, observe it all, and then do some spiritual cleansing and make offerings. Now, what those offerings should be, probably contraband will get to when we get to the root work section, but... Um, it really says that cleaning is what you need. And to call this cursed trajectory may be over, over um, negativizing it. It may be that you've just run into a really, really bad patch of, of stuff. And you might want to 
uh, work on cleansing and then healing. Okay? So I'm going to uh, leave it at that. Um, I would also maybe recommend an astrological look at this because observing includes larger pictures. Are you living in the right place? Are you eating the right foods? And and so forth. All right. So I'm going to turn this over to Deacon Millet. Okay. Let me try to do this as quickly as I can. So we have got a broken line. We have a changing, unbroken line, a broken line, a broken line, a changing, unbroken line, and a broken line. So, this is... number seven, and that is the militia. So here's what we've got. Within the earth, there is water. The noble young one accordingly is tolerant towards the people and cares for the multitude. Uh, this is, um, to me, uh, is, a, is a, a statement of... Um, of sorrowful um, acceptance of the human condition. Um, it's, it's a statement that, that everyone is going through things and your compassion toward them will provide compassion toward yourself. Um, and that there's a nobility um, in the spirit that's caring for you. There is a God. So... The changing line, the first changing line, at the heart of the militia, promising, not a mistake, the sovereign three times grants commissions. Okay. You are due for three blessings, um, and they will show you that you are not forgotten. You have not been abandoned. The second changing line, the hunt takes captives, it's worthwhile to manage the talking, avoid error, constancy is inauspicious. This to me says change your story um, because you need to manage the talking. Um, if the talking about your life is about the bad things and how cursed you feel, then Constancy in that is just going to bring you more and make it feel worse. Whereas if you start a new story about how together you and your husband have survived so many things, how strong you are when you are together, that um, you can climb mountains if necessary um, because your love is so strong, that's a, that's a different story. Um, it fits the same stuff but it will bring power to you. So this is a form of cleansing your story in the same way that Ms. Cap was talking about cleansing um, spiritually, cleansing baths. So the final thing here is we've, we've changed to a new hexagram, and that is belonging. Across the earth there is water. 
the early sovereigns accordingly established the numerous realms to make kinsmen of all of the leaders. What number Five is that, people? Deacon? What Eight. number? Eight. Okay, great. So that's the um, same one I had as the beginning, a chord. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, the, and I hadn't even, because the names in my book are different, <laughs> I hadn't yeah. even noticed that. Yeah. Um, so uh, this, to my mind, says um, find the place where you belong. Find you, you're not in this alone just your family, you've got a broader, bigger family, you may need to find a church family, a community family, but um, embrace a larger group of people. And that's been very hard to do in the last year. But we're finally coming out of things to a place where community may help make a difference. So I hope that some of that is helpful, and I'm so sorry that you're going through this. Thank you. Wow. All right. Well, I just got to give a shout out to Synchronicity, the giant uh, (laughs) nuclear engine at the heart of the I Ching. Well, the I Ching is the most, uh, well, uh, Carl Gustav, that fucking Nazi Jung, introduced the word synchronicity in describing the I Ching and made it popular with hippies everywhere. Um, And synchronicity, the I Ching is all about things that happen spontaneously at a distance from one another that are the same. And we both got the same hexagram. And at all those hexagrams, isn't that interesting? That's that's remarkable. Um, So um, I liked liked that a lot. And um, we both saw this idea that let's work together, let's stick together Mm. is should be the new theme song. And yeah, there are tough times. And it reminds me, I I was thinking of um, Little House on the Prairie books by Laura Ingalls Wilder. And Mm. um, there was a a one book she did not publish after all these happy little little house books on the prairie. One of them was called The First Four Years. And it was about the tragedies. And there were a lot that hit the family during the first four years. And then she went on. They She went on to live and write another book called Going Home about her life. And so when I look at this, I think many of us go through uh, the, the slew of despond, but stick together. Don't break up over this. Um, so I'm going to turn this over to Conjurman, and he's going to give you some uh, recommended root work advice. Yeah, I think you've, you've gotten some really important uh, insight here. Um, I think uh, well, the key component here is that you can overcome this. As tough as it is, as difficult as it is, is there is a light there. So my job here is hopefully to help you get to that light. So how do we do that? We start first by cleansing. And I'm going to recommend Chinese floor wash. I want you to wash your home from top to bottom and back to front. This is a really great way of removing anything that might be sticking about, any type of spiritual gunk and ickiness. So once you've done that, though, I want you to get Jinx Killer incense and then smoke your house. So you're going to cleanse it and then follow it by smoking. And why Jinx Killer? Because I don't, we don't see in a full-on curse evil, like you've you got to fight demons off. 
But there's some type of crossing up that's happening, some type of jinxing that's happened here. And jinx killer is great to kind of get into, especially in infant's form, we can get into those nooks and crannies where things might be hiding out. So you're going to use the Chinese floor wash to cleanse and then the jinx killer incense to smoke the house. Again, working from top to bottom, moving from back to front and once you've kind of shoved all of the spiritual gunk out of your house you're going to take some salt you're going to pray over this salt and you're going to say salt i want you to do right by me my family and my house filter out all wickedness and evilness and let nothing that harms us come close to us ever again sprinkle this under your doormat to cover it up and the salt will act as a guardian, as a filtering process that will ensure no evil will come your way again and enter into your home. Once you've done that, now that your home is nice and clean and cleansed, now it's time to clean yourselves. Now you've got to get rid of all the gunk that's been built up. So get rue, agrimony, and mint. Brew this into a tea and do a bathing for yourself and your family. I do want these three particular herbs. Rue is going to break and cross conditions. Agrimony will turn back evil. And mint has a powerful way of uplifting and also breaking. The three work very well together. You're going to bathe in this and allow yourself to air dry. Gather a bit of the used bath water and dispose of it at a running river. Throw it over your left shoulder. Walk away without looking back. The looking back bit is important. You have to walk away with confidence, knowing that you've cleansed yourself, you've purified yourself, and you've removed any evil that may have been placed upon you. When you get back home, you're going to set up a small family altar. This is not an ancestral altar. It's a family altar, probably the most common altar in hoodoo was a family altar, some sort of space. It's never called an altar, but there's always a space where people put sacred objects, images of their family, etc., found in a lot of homes of, of black Americans. You're going to set up this space, and you're going to place it in the center, if you're a Christian or uh, you put the Bible there or the Hebrew scriptures, you want the Hebrew Bible, or whatever scripture from whatever religion, the Bhagavad Gita, whatever religious tradition you follow, you'll put the scriptures there. And if you don't have scriptures in your religious tradition, then the sacred object of your religious tradition. You're going to set it there, and amongst it and around it, you are going to place your family photos. Photos from when you're happy, photos of your child, photos of you and your partner and your husband, photos of your family. Everybody's going to be placed on there. You're going to keep a small bowl of Althea as an offering to draw in good spirits. Get yourself a small evil eye charm that you will also keep on this altar to break any evil eye and keep you all safe. You will anoint this evil eye with Van Vibe. Once a month, you are going to burn incense of lemongrass, hyssop, and rosemary on this altar to keep those good energies and spirits in the home as an offering, as Miss Cat and Deacon Millet have seen here. This is what I recommend for you, a cleansing process, followed up by a healing and protection altar. Let's see if Deacon Millet and Miss Cat have anything further to add. Um, that is excellent. That is absolutely wonderful, and I particularly like the use of rue in that. Um, mm -hmm. One of my favorite herbs for cleansing and... Um, cleaning out negative um, energy. Absolutely a good one. Um, there was a question, by the way, about what 
um, translations we recommend. And um, I put in um, my favorite being the Wilhelm Baines translation of the I Ching, also the Alfred Huang translation, which is really more Chinese and a better translation of the Chinese. I use the Thomas Cleary version because it's a mini, but I already know the texts by heart from the Wilhelm Baines translation. And I also want to give a big shout-out to our own Reverend Dr. John St. Germain, who has published his own I Ching interpretation, A Practical Method for Divination and Counseling, which is available from Kindle at Amazon, and I put that through the uh, chat. Oh, I can't wait to get (laughs) It's a good book. I have it. I have it. It's very good. All right. So um, here we are with our... um, bumper music indicating the next stage of our progress through the binary zone of sound. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Now it's time to go to our free spell segment with Deacon Millet of FortAlters.org in the high desert of California and sometimes Baltimore. Take it away, Deacon. <laughs> Thanks. Yes, I'm I'm peripatetic indeed. Um, well, I I wanted to share some things that you can do if you're you're starting work with the I Ching or or have been using it for years to um, consecrate a space for the book and to keep it um, in a place of honor and protection. And um, so the first thing I would suggest is that when not in use, you wrap your copy of the Book of Changes in yellow silk, place it as at the highest spot on your bookshelf above the rest. For me, that means laying it down horizontally instead of um, vertically in my bookshelf. Um, I also think that um, addressing the book there's a living spirit in the book to me, and that I call that the sage. Um, that's been uh, used by other people, and I've adopted that. And the the sage of the book needs the same respect as an elder um, would need respect. So try not to be flippant with the I Ching. Give it the respect that it deserves. Um, and treat it like you would a venerable elder who's here to give you wisdom. Um, I also think that uh, smoking the book with incense and having incense burning when you're going to read the teaching is a very good practice. Um, I have used dragon's blood incense um, for this, uh, and I think that a good combination of 
of Washimoto instances would be Psychic Vision, King Solomon Wisdom, and Master Key. And since I am renewing my uh, dedication to the Yiching, I think I will order those and start using them as well. Um, those are just some suggestions, and maybe you guys have some more on how to um, create a sacred space for work with the I Ching and other books of value. Um, Deacon Millet, what was the, you, you mentioned Dragon's Blood, Psychic Vision, Master Key, and there was another one. King Solomon Wisdom. Oh, of course, because he's a sage. Uh huh. That's good. Um, I'm going to just add a couple of things that I know um, that are useful. I love the idea of dragon's blood because that's a fabulous incense. Um, Incense is very traditional in uh, Chinese culture. And so rather than oils or colognes, that would be used. You can also just use a stick incense like a... Well, you could use a, you know, any kind of stick incense from Asia, like Nag Champa or Superhit, if you like those. Or you could use a Chinese coil incense or stick incense as well. Those are used devotionally, um, and I, I like any of those. In wrapping the I Ching in yellow silk, I was taught back in the hippie tradition, the ancient hippie tradition, that you lay the book diagonally on the cloth and you fold the cloth like an envelope. In other words, you don't fold it like you would um, a Christmas package. It's diagonally. I think you all know what I'm talking about. And that is one way to keep it wrapped. Um, I went so far as to take um, a copy of the I Ching that I had that I was kicking around in my backpack with, and I um, uh, glued yellow silk cloth inside to make like end papers to or end wrappers to keep the spine from breaking out and then I put black vinyl, <laughs> black upholstery vinyl on the outside so that when it got thrown into a creek or something it would would sort of stay okay. So I have treated that I Ching with both respect and non-cultural respect I guess but it is a good idea to keep your I Ching up high. It's always believed that if you keep it up high it is um, above the other books. It's called a classic and a classic book mm. is a precious book. So. I should say I love the idea of having incense going as as you're doing your reading. I'm a big believer of that, particularly if you're starting out. If you wanna if you wanna kind of boost your ability to read, get some incense going. I know everyone's kind of go to is candles, like light a candle before you read. But for me, it's always been incense. You get yourself some mm-hmm. psychic vision incense. Get that stuff going before you pull cards or you do eating or whatever reading you're doing. Just watch how much insight you can pull and how much more skill you'll have at reading. It also helps to kind of build that space, but to put you in that divinatory mood. So it's not just an ordinary activity. You light that incense, you let that smell waft up. It's a very sort of space-making activity, in my opinion, incense burning. Yeah, there's a couple of things in the chat I want to real quick touch on. One is to use the I Ching as a bibliomancy book. And I mm-hmm. wrote about that in the air page. Using it as a bibliomancy book, I do all the time. You just uh, open it and you read yeah. what you got. And um, I just opened it to see. So, I Ching, how do you feel about um, 
being used as a bibliomancy book? And the answer is, as long as the sun and the moon have the sky, they can shine forever. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Isn't that nice? I Ching says, okay, awesome. yeah. right? As long as the four seasons change, they can bring about development forever. When sages persist in their way, the whole world evolves to completeness. All right. I Ching is okay with being used as a bibliomancy book. And um, wow. you can use the Yarrow Stock method. You can learn it online. You can use cash coins, which are the old Chinese coins or reproductions thereof. They're circular with a little square. They have a heads and tails. I used um, some um, Abraham Lincoln pennies with the new... Um, shield on the back because I don't like the Lincoln Memorial as, as much. It doesn't fit the circular space as well. Everybody has their own ways of doing it. And, um, and of course, Deacon Millet uses the fabulous marble method. Look them up online. There's many ways to do it, and we have a whole page about it at AIR. Whoa. Well, this was a, a wonderful oracle method. hour. One of my favorite methods of reading Thank you so much, Deacon Millett, for bringing that to us. And thank you, Conjure Man, for, for letting me and Deacon just read to our heart's content and you sat around and did the root work. That was very kind of you. It worked out wonderfully. Folks, he's a great reader. We'll have him on reading on another, another system. Um, so um, we're going to uh, have... Evan Lionheart come in and do our announcements but before we do I'm just going to say really quick we are coming up on the Hoodoo Heritage Festival September 11th and 12th tickets are on sale they are still at the early bird price until June 21st and you are still guaranteed to get your goodie box which contains multiple money's worth of items that you can use as you follow along the workshops and learn to make and craft and do things the goodie box are the real uh, return on your investment in the tickets, so, but you got to get in early to get those goodie boxes, and that's at hoodooheritagefestival.com. All right, I'm going to turn this over to Evan Lionheart. Absolutely, thank you, Miss Cat, and thank you, Conjure Man, and thank you, Deacon Millet of FourAltars.org in the high desert of California for being our guest this week. Please join us next week when our special guest will be Mama E of ConjureDoctor.com, bringing us the topic of celebrating the men in your life. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour was brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via, via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjureman at conjuremanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Evan Lionheart. Joining you from EvanLionHeart.com in New Jersey. The, root, the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archives via LuckyMojo.com forward slash radio show dot HTML. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. All right. Thank you, Evan Lionheart. Thank you, Conjurman Ollie. Thank you, Deacon Millet. Uh, support me on Patreon. Come on, guys. I need more patrons. And come out and buy those tickets. And good night. Good night, all. Happy good night. Happy Founders Day. Yes.